Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I know you all are you all are a little bit more awake than first service. I, it, but I, they got a prize because they came in early. Um, I'm not going to share what it was, but they're blessed. I can tell you that. I'm totally joking. Well, hey, welcome to Hillside. We are so excited to have you here. If this is your first time, let's welcome them. <clears throat> so excited to start this new year, 2023, off with you in, in this worship service and here at church. But if this is your first time, when you leave, um, we have a table in the back. It's our next steps table. We've got a goodie bag in that we would love to bless you with. There's a um, coffee crossing gift card in there, I believe. And, um, you know, it's, it's biblical Hebrews, right? Um, and that joke will never get old. I'll say it, I don't, I've said it a dozen times at least. So I, I am so excited to preach uh, this message today. And whenever I was asked to, to preach um, a New Year's Day message, I was like, oh yeah, Lord, please don't have me preach a New Year, New Me message and I'm thankful that I don't call the shots, because God's in control, right? And uh, the title of my sermon today is Failures, Fights, Friendship, and Freedom. That's what we're going to discuss. And, you know, it's that time of the year when in a fit of optimism, many of us make great promises to ourselves about what we're going to do in the new year, right? Diets exercise, budgets, etc. So statistics say that most abandon those resolutions by the second week in January. So be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. But if you do, props to you. Who kept their promises or resolutions from 2022? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, you're, M Marty, so first service, somebody said, I didn't make any. Like, I was like, that's awesome. You can't fail if you don't write it down, right? I love it. But this year, I'm determined it's going to be different for me. It's going to be different. Because I'm committed to eat more and exercise less. <laughs> and I guarantee you I can keep that resolution. I'm a man of my word. So this time next year, if Pastor Paul asked me to preach, I'm going to say, nailed it. I got it. Did exactly what I told you all I'd do. But seriously, this morning, I want to talk to you all about some resolutions or some commitments, which I believe, or, or better yet, that I know, will make a radical difference in our lives if we follow through on them. In fact, what I want to do is offer you a way of starting your new year in a way which will significantly change your life. If you'll make these four commitments, four commitments that God and His Word encourages us to make, I guarantee you the start of 2023 could become one of the most significant events in your life. That's big build-up, right? Like, whoa. But I, I gotta let you know, before I get too into it, you guys know that, those of you that heard me, I always love to somehow have a t-shirt or something that's going to like go with the sermon. 
I try really hard. Y'all, I preached the Psalm 23 and had the green pasture colored sweatshirt, right? And so this morning, when I, I knew what I was going to preach on, I always do it the day of, never before. I don't like to do it before. Uh, not that I don't like the plan, but it's always fun that Sunday when it's time to preach and I go in the closet like I don't know what's in there. God, what am I going to wear today? Right? Because we are to pray to God for everything. So it's not wrong for me to be like, God, what do you want me to wear for this message? So I go in the closet this morning and uh, I was like, I don't have anything with like awesome confetti uh, or sparklers or anything like New Year. Um, but my wife just got me this shirt for Christmas. And it, first service, a, a lady pointed out, I like your peach shirt. And I was like, well, that destroys what I was, I thought it was orange. My favorite color is orange. But this morning when I was in the closet and I was looking through, 100% this shirt made me think of sunrises and newness in the mornings and how God's word said that his mercy and grace are new every day, right? And this new year, this first day of 2023, is an opportunity for us to step into the newness that God's called us to. And, you know, dad joke, I've got, I'm stepping into 2023 with new balance, right? I'm trying to have new balance. Dad jokes, I love them. So, I want to challenge you for four commitments. Before that, let's pray to the Lord and ask Him to bless this time. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the opportunity to gather here together. Um, God, thank you for the worship team and, and bringing us into an encounter with you, God, because that's what we want. We want to encounter you. We want to be in your presence. And God, we know that you're not just confined to this building or to this auditorium. God, you're everywhere. But, but we desperately come together as believers and, and those seeking you to encounter you, God. So I pray that, that I allow to step out of your way. You speak through me. Allow me to just be a vessel of your words, God, and that you touch hearts and touch lives. Uh, and this message be glorifying and, and honoring to you. God, we love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name, I lift up this prayer. Amen. 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 So four commitments. The first one, if you take notes, these are going to be, um, they'll be up here. So if you want to take notes, jot them down. And they might leave them up there long enough for you to write them. If not, well, take a picture. First, commit yourself to forget your failures. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now that advice from God's word has stood the test of time. I don't know of any more relevant and practical advice for us to start this 2023. We don't have to live our lives imprisoned by our past. All of us have failed in some way in our lives over the last year or years. Amen? And I'm looking... Um, I think, I think this will resonate with most of you, that most of us won't see our failures recorded for history on TV or social media. 
Because when I was growing up making all my mistakes, we didn't have phones with cameras. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have ways for it to be documented so everybody in the world could log on and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that. And that's great. That's great that I don't have that pop up on my Time Hop app every year and be like, huh, remember what you did? That's great. But that doesn't mean that it's not still downloaded and still comes up here every year, every month, every week, or every day. Right? I don't need technology to remind me of my past. My mind and the enemy often remind me of my past, right? And we can choose to be imprisoned by our past or we can move forward from our past. Many of us, failures are painful memories. Maybe you failed in a relationship or relationships. Maybe you failed in a job. Maybe you failed at parenting. Maybe you've failed yourself in some way, or maybe you've even failed God. What God's word is saying to us here is that we must not allow ourselves to be held captive by our past failures, that we do not have to dwell on the past so much that it stops us from moving into the future God has for us. Right? Like my ministry moment when I said that, that the plant grows so much but then it must be transplanted or taken out of that environment to allow it to grow more. God's calling us into so much, but maybe we've allowed our past a barrier from stepping into all the growth that God has for us. Right? Like maybe we've put ourselves in too small of an aquarium because we feel like we're not enough or we're not good enough because of our past and our failures and because I'm divorced or because I'm not a great father or I'm not a great leader. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And I've put myself in this aquarium where I can live comfortably, but there's so much more if I just allow God to transplant me out of the restrictions and limitations I've put on myself from my past that I can step into all that he has for my present and my future. I think the start of the new year is a good time for us to raise to that challenge. To say to ourselves that with God's help, I'm going to forget my past. I'm going to stop torturing myself about what I did or what I did not do. Right? The, the I dids. The I dids. Those are the ones that come up you know, the, the, oh man, I can't believe I did this, or I did that, I did this, I did that. And, and those happen, right? But the enemy really likes to, to highlight the, the I did nots. Maybe I wasn't obedient to God in a season of, maybe he called me into and I did not. Those I did nots are pretty powerful if we allow them to be in our life. Right? And so... Today and going forward, maybe it's not dwelling on what I did or did not do, but asking God, God, allow me to move forward from those did and did not and prepare me for all that you have for me to do or not to do going forward. 
Open my eyes to your will and your purpose and plan in my life so that I may be ready, in season or not, to be ready to answer the call that you've placed on my life. I'm releasing the chains of my past that have held me in prison. God will take your past. This is what's so good about God. God will take your past checkered, nasty, stained, tainted, dirty. He'll take it if you're willing to surrender it to him and he will use it for his glory, for your good and the good of those around you. That's like, that's God. That's what's so good about God is he doesn't hold them over you and use them against you. He's like, I'll take it. You give it to me. I'm going to glorify myself, and I'm going to use it for your good and the good of those around you. Come on. God's saying in his word he doesn't want you to go through life branding yourself as a failure. And maybe, I mean, we've all failed. Right? God's word said we've all failed. We've fallen short of the glory of God. But failure is not final. That's, because if failure was final, I wouldn't be here standing in front of you today. Failure's not final. But what happens is, you know, like I coached my daughter's softball team and they're six, seven, and eight-year-old girls. And so like all these one-liners that I would use on my teams at work and stuff, you know, you tell a six, seven, and eight-year-olds, hey, y'all, we're either going to win or we're going to learn. We don't lose. They're like, is there popsicles? <laughs> but that's the truth. Failure is not final, right? Like we, we may fail. And if we sit and dwell in that, it is a failure. But if we make a mistake, give it to God, repent and turn away from whatever, and God uses it, you don't lose, you learn. And God strengthens and equips you to move forward to handle certain obstacles that you may face going forward, right? So if I say that to you, we either win or we learn, you get it. And there's not popsicles after service, I'm sorry. <laughs> but just remember that failure is not final. It's not. But boy, the enemy wants you to brand yourself as a failure so that you stay imprisoned into that small pot that doesn't allow growth in your life. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. When we surrender our hearts and our lives to Jesus, that forgiveness becomes a reality in our lives and our hearts. When we have received Christ's forgiveness, it allows us to forgive ourselves and let go of those past failures. Maybe this morning you need to do that to accept Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior and to accept the forgiveness and then forgive yourself. And I'll touch on that. I'll give you an opportunity to step into that at the end of service, what that means to give your heart to Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that first one, commit yourself to forget your failures. Now here's number two. This is a good one. Commit yourself to give up your grudges. The excitement in the room. So I want you to listen to the words from Colossians because in them we'll hear the second challenge slash commitment. God wants us to rise. Uh, he wants us to rise to in order 
to make 2023 a significant turning point in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Did you catch the challenge? Did you catch the challenge in there? God is challenging us directly and personally to give up our grudges. That is what he means when he says forgive each other whatever complaints or quarrels you have against one another. A grudge is a deep, ongoing resentment that we cultivate in our hearts against someone else. A grudge is an unforgiving spirit that leads to unforgiving attitudes and unforgiving actions. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you, you, you have a grudge against someone. That grudge does not lead to peace. That grudge does not lead to joy, to patience, to compassion, to humility. That grudge does not produce the fruit of the Spirit, right? That grudge is going to cause destruction. What you need to know or already know is grudges are dangerous because, because they're destructive right? They're destructive. Grudges destroy marriages. Grudges destroy relationships. Grudges break up families. Grudges ruin friendships. Grudges split churches. One of the problems of the church in general is grudges Christians hold against one another. And boy, Satan loves when Christians have grudges against each other because it's divisive and it causes division. This morning, if you're holding a grudge against someone, God has something to say to you. Give it up. Or as Elsa so beautifully put it in Frozen, let it go, let it go. <laughs> Kelly's not in here this service. I was hoping like I'd get an audition for the worship team after that. But maybe she'll catch it online. I know. <laughs> I actually can't wait to watch it back, really. So grudges aren't just destructive, they're also self-destructive, right? You know those, those movies where like, where's the button? We've got to self-destruct. Self-destruct in 10 seconds, right? That's what a grudge does, essentially. When you're holding on to the grudge, you've hit that self-destruct button, and you're just waiting for yourself to implode. When you hold a grudge against someone, you will hurt yourself as much and perhaps more than you will hurt the person you're holding it against. Harboring a grudge will eventually destroy you. And maybe not physically at first, but definitely emotionally and spiritually. But what I've learned and what I've watched people that have held on to resentment and grudges over time, it does 100% affect them emotionally and spiritually if they've walked with the Lord, but eventually leads to their physical downfall as well. Right? Like somebody that's not walking in the joy of the world. Now, don't categorize all this as, oh man, did you, Josh had the flu in 2022. I wonder what grudge he had. <laughs> 
Like, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you hold on to those things, eventually it's going to weigh you down physically, but also emotionally and spiritually as well. Yeah, don't, oh gosh, I can't imagine y'all walking out of here and people are sick. You probably ought to get rid of that grudge. Easy. <laughs> that is not what I was trying to say. The book of Job in chapter 21 describes people who have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Is that how you want to be remembered? Do you remember the parable Jesus told about the servant who was forgiven a huge debt by the king and then immediately went and refused to forgive the debt of someone that owed him? That unforgiving spirit landed him in prison. Max Licato makes an interesting comment in one of his books. He says, unforgiving servants always end up in prison. Always end up in prisons of anger, of guilt, fear, depression. The list goes on. If you harbor in that grudge, it will imprison you to those things. God says to us in his word, don't sentence yourself to prison. You've got enough juries out there that are trying to convict you and send you to prison already. Don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to yourself. You've already stepped into the freedom that's offered by Christ. Don't put yourself back into prison. The way to give up a grudge is to forgive. It really is that simple. We try to overcomplicate everything, don't we? God's not asking you to ignore whatever the person has done to you. He isn't asking you to pretend it didn't happen. He doesn't ask you to condone it. He asks you to forgive the grievance. That means to acknowledge how wrong and painful whatever was done to you, but decide to forgive the person who has wronged or hurt you. Who here has a grudge they need to let go of? Amen. Y'all are more honest than first service, or either first service is more holy. I don't know. The jury is still out. Who here has a grievance against someone that they know that you need to forgive? Now, this, this, one, this one's tough, but I feel like God wants me to share it. You can't tell God that you can't forgive because what you really mean is that you won't forgive. That's a, that's a, that's a reflection and a check of your heart posture. It's not that you can't, it's that you won't. You know, my daughters, did, did you all clean your room? I can't. It's not that you can't. You absolutely can. You just won't. <laughs> and then Jesus convicts me and says, hey, did you forgive? Well, no, I can't. You know what they did to me. Josh, it's, it's not that you can. It's that you won't. If Christ can forgive us our sins, despite the fact that it costed him the pain of the cross, then surely we can forgive others who have done us wrong. The question is, will we do it, not can we do it? So that's our second challenge, right? Second challenge is let go of those grudges. The third one, commit yourself to restore your relationships. You got to see that there's a, there's a theme. I mean, it's kind of going together, right? God's good. He doesn't just give you a message and it's like, hodgepodge, figure it out. Like, it's coming together, right? Like, your failures, your grudges, your relationships. Like, we've we're, we're got a theme going here. 
Now, most of you are familiar with computers, right? Like, it's kind of getting... Nowadays, you don't see as many, like, desktop computers, like towers and stuff, for gamers and those dudes that build their own. It's awesome, but... Uh, like most of us, we got like a laptop or we just get the next size bigger on our iPhone so we can see instead of having to hold it out like this. But typically, I mean, this becomes my computer. Anyways, sidetrack. Every time that you turn on your computer, like if it's shut down and you turn it on, a little window pops up that asks you if you want to run a check to see if all the programs are working properly. Right? Like maybe you got McAfee or Norton's or one of the millions of different things that you can run and check on your computer to make sure that everything's running properly. Well, God in his word issues a very similar invitation. Now, it's an invitation not to see if your computer software is working properly, but to check whether our personal relationships are working properly. In Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 19, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. God is personally challenging each one of us to do all we can to restore our relationships. Now, some relationships may have gone wrong in our lives because what other people have done, and they may well not want that relationship restored. God recognizes that, right? Like, there is a separation in a relationship between you and, who fill in the blank, someone, right? It's a two, relationships are a two-way street. I may be ready, and I may be willing, and I want to put it back together, and they're like, no thanks. I don't need all that toxicity in my life. I'm not talking about me. I'm not toxic. But God understands that we may be willing and ready, but the other party may not, right? And I think that's a big key. That's a really big key because... <clears throat> When something happens to break a relationship or cause some kind of separation in a relationship, um, you, you, you're ready and willing to say, okay, I've forgiven you. I've asked for forgiveness. God's healed me. God has restored me. Boom. Let's go. Let's skip through the fields together. You ready? And they're like, pump the brakes. I'm not quite ready. I'm still trying to heal over here. I'm still broken. I still don't trust. I'm still hurt. And you're like, but what? God miraculously came down, saved, healed, restored me. I'm ready. Let's roll. You got to understand, we all heal differently. And that's a big key in relationships to learn. I've had to learn it uh, several times. I've had to learn it that just because I've healed or I've experienced that, A, it doesn't mean that I'm any better, I'm any holier, I'm any closer to God. That is not what that means. If I feel the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy, absolutely fantastic, praise God. But if the other person that was harmed in the relationship 
doesn't feel that exact same at that exact same moment does not mean that they're any farther from God, that they're any less in his eyes, and that he does not love them just the exact same. So don't get that twisted. Don't get it twisted. Everybody heals differently. God created us all uniquely. Right? And if we all were the exact same... But my wife, um, you know, we've, we've had to heal this past year and, and in a relationship, okay, so something happens, you're together, something happens, it, it causes a little space or a little separation, not like a physical separation, but like a, <laughs> not a physical doghouse, but 100%. Uh, what I'm saying is, oh yeah, I'm in it. No, I, I'm in it. My collar's jingling, jingling. So anyway, what I'm saying is, you've got this relationship, and then something happens, and it causes a little bit of division. And you pray, and you say, God, please forgive me. Hey, forgive me for what I've done to you, everything. Boom, you are forgiven, healed, and restored it's not time. It, it's not time. This relationship is not completely healed and restored. But what I can tell you, the best way, if you're in this situation, if you're in a situation, whether it's with your spouse, with a family member, with a friend, whomever, you guys had a close relationship, something caused division, likely on your end of the table it happened, then what you do, you pray and seek God wholeheartedly. Right? And you give it time and you pray for the other person involved. Lift them up in prayer. And as they seek God and seek his forgiveness and his mercy and his healing and restoration, y'all will come together and meet at the top of the triangle, right? Because triangle is the most powerful shape in the world. And you've got two people. And a lot of times, I know for me, instead of seeking God and going after him first, I come over here to her side of the triangle and want to push her up closer to him. And that's, that's not how a triangle works, right? Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall. But if I seek him with all my heart and all my everything in me, while at the same time she or they, depending on the situation, are seeking God, eventually that healing and restoration are going to come at that perfect moment where we meet at the top where God is the center. Amen? So if, if there is, so initially you've, you've got that break, you've got that division, you've got that gap in um, everything includes one thing that we all probably find difficult, and that's asking for forgiveness, right? The, the, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm the only one that's, it's hard to say I'm sorry, right? It's hard to say I'm sorry, please forgive me. And it's the ones that are closest to you that makes it difficult. Now, those words are not hard. For me, I can speak that. I, I can say I'm sorry, right? I, I can say I'm sorry. But it's what comes afterward that causes me to not want to say that I'm sorry because I'm going to have to hear how I hurt you. I'm going to have to experience the emotion and pain that I caused you. And if I love you, Experiencing that pain with you isn't fun. 
right? So I know going into it that if I'm going to ask for forgiveness or I'm going to say sorry for something I've done, I've got to be prepared to hear their side of the story. Because I can say I'm sorry and then be like, well, I appreciate that. Let me tell you why I'm struggling. At that moment, I'm like Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, and for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> like, I don't want no part of that. Like, I already said I'm sorry. I already acknowledged my sin. I already acknowledged my part in it. I, I can't, I don't really want to have that conversation. But, but that's, that's not fair. That, that's not fair for the other person. Right? Because flip, flip the script. Babe, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> Lord, they're getting a glimpse into our life, honey. I love you. <laughs> and here's the thing. Saying I'm sorry, please forgive me, that is, that's, that's a must. You have to start off with that, right? Ask God for forgiveness. Ask the other person involved. But then there has to be actions involved as well, right? Like the words, they flow easily, at least for me, man. Like I can speak it, and then my walk, my actions don't necessarily always line up. And that's not fair because what ends up happening is you end up like that little boy that cried wolf, like, I'm sorry, please forgive me, and then the same thing. I'm sorry, please forgive me, and the same thing. And eventually the sorries and the forgive me, they hold no weight. But if I'm sorry and please forgive me and then I walk in obedience to God and all that he's called me to and my actions speak for my words, then my sorry and please forgive me means something. You see what I'm saying? So make no mistake, it'll be hard to do, but it'll be one of the most significant things we can do um, to mark the new year and to set it off with a firework to ask for forgiveness, to, to, to begin that restoration of a relationship, to admit our past errors in relationships and humbly seek forgiveness from the ones that we have hurt. And that's the thing, you know, we should do it every day, but, you know, a lot of us, it is, there's something about, you know, December 31st, three, two, I didn't watch the ball drop 100%, I was asleep, not going to lie, but you know, you wake up and you just play it over in your head, but then you sit back, like this morning, I was sitting in my chair, and I had my sermon, and I was praying, and just reflecting on like just the past year, 2022, and just all the blessings, and the, the difficulties, and the things that God's overcome, and grown, and this and that, and I thought, why do I wait until the end of the year to stop and dwell and reflect on all the goodness of God. Like, because I waited till the end of the year to reflect back on all those things, I, I literally could spend the whole 2023 reflecting on all the good. And God's like, you know, if you took time to stop and reflect on the goodness that I gave you for today, each and every day, it will change your mindset and your perspective on life. You will have an attitude of gratitude going forward each and every day. Like, what? Do I have to pay for this? Like, this is good counsel, God. Like, we can step into that, and we can walk with freedom 
with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with gentleness, with self-control. Like, okay, I feel you. But all these things that, these challenges and these commitments, they're not easy, right? But it's not, nothing is meant to be easy. And I thought about that. I was praying yesterday, and I thought about like hard times and, and like easy times. And when, when I had to work for something, now I don't have to, you don't have to work for the salvation, right? That's a gift of God. And, and I love that. But things in life that you have to work for, you appreciate things that you've worked for more than things that were just given to you freely in this world. You know what I'm saying? Like things that are difficult, when you allow God to bring you through something and you look back, you are so much more appreciative. And I've, I've tried to cultivate that mindset in my life of, I don't need it easy. I just need the strength to get through it. And if God gives me the strength to get through it, he'll allow me to look back on it and say, do you see what I've taught you? You see the lessons that you've learned? You see the strength that you've gained? You see how your faith has increased? You, see, you know what I'm saying? So our last and final commitment is commit yourself to turn your back on your transgressions or on your sins. So as I was preparing this message, God reminded me of the slaves in the Old Testament. And they would be allowed to be free after seven years of enslavement, right? However, some of them would stay slaves to their master. So you would be sold into slavery. You'd work for this master for seven years. At seven years, you come up, you sit down at the desk. All right, Josh, you've served me faithfully for seven years. You are free to go. I uh, appreciate that, but I'm, I just want to stay a slave. And you know, when I read that, and I've read that, I thought, wow, that's ridiculous. Like you have this opportunity to experience freedom, and you're going to stay a slave? Like, pardon my language, but what an idiot. And then God's like, oh, okay. So you experience freedom through my son, Jesus Christ. And yet you still choose to be a slave to your old master's sin? Hold up the mirror. What an idiot. Like he offers me this freedom. And yet I choose to stay a slave. Like I'm no different. Right? And it's crazy to me. It, it, was, it was, I mean, it was a revelation when I had that realization that, I mean, they were physically slaves, but like, I, I can choose to walk in his freedom and have, and have experienced it, and yet still chosen to go back. Christ died to set us free. The Holy Spirit has given us the power to be free but just like those former slaves, many Christians still choose to obey their old master, sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. This, this is the last challenge I believe, or I know, if we rise up to meet, will make this new year truly significant for us. It will. When God says for us to not let sin control the way we live and to not give in to his lustful desires, he's issuing us the challenge to turn our back on transgressions. Christian writers um, used to write, talk about something that was called besetting sins. And you can Google it uh, after the message. Not now. B-E-S-E-T-T-I-N-G. Besetting sins. And it's, it's funny because Pastor Paul and I have been meeting and uh, we, we've talked about besetting sins. And, and it's, what it's meant for is particular sins that a Christian is prone to doing time and time again. Just over and over and over, besetting sins. Um, for most of us when we were saved, I know my, I, for me, we gave up certain sins easily. Like it was like, oh yeah. But there were other things that, that were wrong, that we really battle with. And those are besetting sins. Uh, many of us choosing to give into our besetting sins and end up living double lives. And, and I'm personally one of them. I'm personally one of them. So I was saved February 20th, 2011. And, and I mean, God set me free from a lot of sin. A lot of sin. Matter of fact, there are sins that he, I, we took, shoved away, and and shut the door, locked it, bolted it, put a clasp on it, put a combination lock. 100%, I don't remember the combination, so I can't even get back into it. Like, those sins are gone, taken, wiped away. Now, I had some other sins that I shoved in the door and shut it, but I probably didn't secure it and lock it up and completely deliver and commit to give it to God. Right? And that, those are the sins that I've opened the door and reached in because I like to have a little bit of control over certain aspects of my life. Like, God, you, you have my life fully. I, I surrender all to you. Right? I got to hold on to something. I got to be in control over something. And so that's my besetting sin. And my besetting sin has been in past relationships and even currently, like recently with my wife, like keeping a secret. I like to keep secrets because I feel like I've got to hold on to certain things so that you don't view me a certain way. Hence, the living a double life, right? I'm going to put on what, you, what I think you expect to see or that you want to see, but also the secrets that I'm keeping are eating my lunch. So whenever... Becca and I got together, and, and I'll kind of give you like the details uh, of, of my besetting sin with her, was um, I, so I'm divorced, y'all know that. Well, what I did not tell her because I was like, well, if I tell her I'm divorced, I mean, that's already one strike, <laughs> like she's keeping score on my sins. Uh, that's going to be one strike. Well, I didn't tell her that I also had another previous failed marriage 
when I was young, real young. And I didn't tell her that because I thought, oh, I don't want to start off with two strikes. Like one's bad enough. I'm already behind in the count. But I didn't tell her that. I didn't tell her that first one. And I tell you what, having to control and keep that secret hidden to make sure that she would never find out is exa was exhausting. So exhausting. Like, prevent her from really getting to know my family because God forbid they say something. My daughter made mention about it one time and immediately was like, shut, like, you know, just trying to control everything. And then she starts an online Bible study. And my cousin, who I was super close with growing up, she joins her Bible study. And instead of praising God and celebrating that a family member from Indianapolis is able to join a Bible study that my wife is leading and facilitating online, I, my prayer, and I'm not lying to you when I say God shut her mouth to where it does not get exposed that I was married. And I'm, I'm being 100% honest with you. Like, that was my prayer. Like, I should have been like, God, praise you that you would bring my family from hours away, connect to see this beautiful woman that you gave me as a gift that seeks after you and that wants to lead other women into a deeper relationship with you. That should have been my prayer, but my prayer was God shut her mouth and allow her to not expose and find out about my secret. Like that's what a besetting sin does to you. And here's the great thing though about it. God gives us opportunities to make confessions right? Like I could have told her at any given time, you know what, babe, I am so sorry. I kept this from you. Here's, here's, here's a secret I kept from you. That's not my style. I like for God's word to come true in my life that pride comes before the fall. Because <laughs> I can choose to be humble or God will humble me because he loves me, not because he wants me to experience pain, not because he wants me to experience humiliation, not because he wants there to be division and a break of trust in my relationship with life, not any of that. He does it because he loves me because he has so much more in store for me. He's like, you know what? If you don't get rid of this, I cannot transplant you and you experience the freedom and the growth that I have for you over here. So I'm going to expose you so that you can go through it as painful as it's going to be, and then you can step into all that I have, right? But speaking it, oh, like I went, like, let go of your past. Man, in my mind, I've wasted a lot of energy and time going, wow, if I would have just told her at Qdoba when we were sitting there that first real date, if I'd have just told her, like, we wouldn't have experienced this. Now, I'm not saying that God hasn't used it already for our growth, and he's not using it for growth in maybe somebody here or listening online or something. That's a good thing about God. Like I said, you give him your past failures, he's going to it, use it to glorify himself and use it for your good and the good of others, right? He does. 
doesn't mean that sometimes it's not humiliating and embarrassing to go through it. Like, he's like, I don't want you to experience that. Like, just the, those who know the sun, the sun sets them free. 100%, I have stepped into and experienced that freedom. I get it. But I'm human. I'm human. And God's word says, confess your sin to one another. The power of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. And, and my friend up here in between services, she was like, you know, once you confess that sin, Satan doesn't have that to use as power over you anymore. That's, a, that's more freedom, right? And there's something special. There's something special. I can confess my sins to God all day, right? Like, because why? He's going to accept. He's going to forgive. He's going to love. He's going to fill me with grace. He's going to love me regardless. If I confess that same sin to a human being, I may be judged. I may be condemned. I may be looked at. I may be outcast. I may be all those things. But that's why you use wisdom and you pray, God, who is it in my life that I'm able to share these so that I can get it off of my chest? You already know, but I need another human being for accountability and just someone to speak it, speak it so that they can receive and speak life back into me. Yeah. Right, because here's the thing. What I love about my wife, a lot of things, but once it was exposed, it was not awesome. It wasn't pretty. But over time, it has allowed her to love me more because I wasn't keeping parts of me from her. It's now all out there and exposed. Yes. And I, if I had not carried that for so many years, A, I wouldn't have been in that position, exhausted, tired, but I would have been able to walk in that freedom. I can't dwell on what could have, would have, should have been, but now the freedom, the restoration, the healing going forward, God has a lot in store right? And he's going to use that. So those besetting sins, if you've got one, um, maybe you can relate to my story somehow. Uh, maybe that's how you've lived this past year or even longer, right? Like I carried, I carried that. We met, she walked up to me April 14th of 2019 just to talk to me. Somebody had told her, to, you should go talk to that guy, Josh. He has, he's a, he has a good story. We went out to see a movie April 19th, saw a movie, I held her hand because that was like, I was like, I wonder how, oh, yeah, we can move forward with dating. I can, her hand's good. <laughs> but then after that, then we went to Qdoba and we started talking about life and talking about those things. So I had the opportunity to step into that freedom that day, but chose to keep a secret and the bad thing about secrets or sins, one usually leads to two, then leads to four, then leads to eight, and so on. They multiply, right? Sins multiply. You don't just, you know, those drudges that they use in lakes in the ocean, they pull behind those barges to pick up trash and whatnot on the floor. They don't just do and pick up one piece. Usually one piece of trash leads to two, leads to three, four, five, six. And that's how, we, that's how sin works in our life. We start off with one. We think we can manage it. One never just stays at one. But the good thing about it is, is when you confess them, let them go, give them, surrender them to God, and just walk in that freedom, you don't have to worry about carrying that or living any kind of life other than the freedom that he's called you into.
So if you're defeated by that same old sin, that besetting sin, um, give it to God, let go, confess it, and then change. Allow him to change you. And don't live with it. Don't live with it. And, And let me ask, if you have a besetting sin or if you've been in a situation like me, has it crippled your spiritual life? For sure. I know when I'm carrying that, I want to seek God with all I have, but it hinders my prayer. Like how deep am I going to go into prayer with him? How much am I going to trust him or allow him to use me? Like it, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And then the, the, the more secrets and sin that you hold on to, it leads to quick tempers. Or you react to situations and you harm others by your words or your actions. Constantly judging others' sins while ignoring your own. Boy, I, you know, I'm putting this together and I'm like, well, guilty, 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 guilty. I am guilty of every single thing, every single thing that I'm sharing with you. And God's like, but I've set you free. Like you are no longer guilty because of what my son did for you on the cross. So you all, if you're guilty, that's because you've become your own verdict. Turn to the almighty judge and allow him to declare your freedom. Because in Christ, we are all free. God's challenging us to turn our backs on sin, whatever it is, whatever that sin is. Stop letting it control the way you live because I know firsthand it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. You've made the decision to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Stop obeying your old master. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you to resist those sins. That's what's good, right? You give your life to Christ, you experience his freedom, you're forgiven of your sin, you get to spend eternity with God in heaven, and that is so awesome and fantastic. But on the flip side of that, he now, through the Holy Spirit, you have the power to resist those sins. That is awesome. That is awesome. So that when sin pops up or you have those thoughts, immediately you can take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. God, I know I have this thought, and I know it's not of you. God, give me the strength, the courage, the wisdom to not act on it. But I'm taking it captive. I want to make it obedient to you, and I want to serve you, not sin. We have victory in Jesus. We are free in Christ. So if you'll ask for God's forgiveness for your sin and his power to resist, this new year can be for you not just a new era in history, but a new era in your spiritual life. Do not miss the opportunity. Don't miss it. So in conclusion, with this new, will this new year just be a calendar event for you? You know, you make a quick Facebook post, new year, new me. Or are you willing to commit and make this a life-changing event? 2023 can be more than you dreamed or imagined if you just follow these these four commitments. Will you commit yourself to forget your failures? Will you commit yourself to give up your grudges? Will you commit to yourself to restore your relationships as far as you are able to? Will you commit to yourself to turning your back on your transgressions? This new year will really be something to celebrate if you'll make forgiveness the heart of what it's all about. I pray that God gives us the courage right here today to forgive ourselves 
forget the past, forget those who have hurt, and as far as it depends on us, to live, in it, to live at peace and harmony with everyone, to ask God's forgiveness and no longer be slaves to sin. Amen. You know, I mentioned earlier that uh, the freedom, right, the freedom that comes and that only is through Jesus Christ. So today, if, if you've never made that decision to, to do what the Bible says, to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you will be saved. If you've never been saved, never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, this is the time to do it. Today is the day, right? We're not guaranteed, we're not guaranteed anything except that if we put our trust and hope in Jesus Christ, we'll spend eternity with God in heaven. We're not guaranteed later today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, next year. We don't know, right? We don't know time. So if you've never made that decision, I pray that today be that decision. We're going to have a time of prayer, uh, but I just want to lead us in a prayer uh, as we close service. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we come to you knowing that we are sinners. God, we know that there's not enough good that we could do to outweigh our bad. There's nothing that will fix that gap in our relationship because of what sin has done. It is only through your son, Jesus, that we're able to have that right relationship with you. Today, God, we surrender our hearts. We surrender our minds. We surrender our lives to your son, Jesus. Accept that he is our Lord and Savior, every aspect. God, I pray that any besetting sin that's in our heart or in our mind, that you give us strength and courage to confess those, that you give us power to turn our backs on those transgressions. And God, I pray that maybe if we don't have that strength and courage, God, and, and that you humble us because you have so much in store that we accept that discipline and that we accept that humility and trust and believe it's because you love us and because you have so much more in store for us. God, thank you for loving us so much that you won't leave us where we are, that you won't leave us confined to the limitations and the restrictions that we've placed in our life because we see ourselves as failures, because we have grudges, or because we have broken relationships. God, that you bring us and you call us into so much more. God, I pray that we step into that freedom that's offered through you in 2023. God, we love you so very much. We're so thankful, and we pray all this in the mighty name of your son, Jesus.